So the big question is this. How can runners like you, who aren't professional athletes or paid sponsored runners, avoid injury and increase athletic performance to enjoy running race events for the rest of your life without wasting money on trends or using dangerous painkiller drugs? That is the question. And on hashtag Run Pain Free Podcast, your host, sports biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio, gives you the answers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Run Pain Free Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio, and this podcast is brought to you by the Run Pain Free Academy, and it is presented by the Run Into 2021 Virtual Race, our first virtual race here at Run Pain Free Academy. Go get your spot right now, race.runpainfreeacademy.com. We've had a lot of pre-sales and there's a limited medals, so go take action now. Go do that while I chat with you. Cause today, I'm gonna talk a little bit more personal than I do normally. And that's because I am actually going to be running this race. I'm doing a 5K. There's an option to do 5K, 10K, half or full. And I decided a few days ago that I'm actually going to do this and this would be my first run in eight years. And I've dribbled here and there little tidbits about some of my health issues. Everybody knows about the truck, of course. That's a huge thing I talk about, but there is something else that I have that actually disallows me from running, and I have a heart condition, an electrical heart condition called POTS. It's postural, (laughs) postural orthostatic trachycardia syndrome. Basically, my autonomic nervous system does not work, and I do not have any control over my blood pressure, digestion, body temperature, or heart flutters. And so that may seem super simple, but quite honestly, there is well over 30 symptoms and biological things that get tripped up by this because blood pressure literally is your gas line, and if you have any issues with your gas line, you're not going anywhere. The issue mostly is that in this country and in general and period, really people have a high blood pressure issue. That's pretty much more that you hear about. Even if you Google how to fix low blood pressure, you'll literally get information back on how to bring your your blood pressure down. So I can't talk about how frustrating it was when I first had to start dealing with this. So having severe low blood pressure, and I'm talking about 80 over 40 is a baseline for me active. So um, anybody who knows your basic blood pressure should be 120 over 80. And so that's quite low. And I'm saying that with a big smirk on my face. (laughs) So I don't have the ability to power blood around and basically have a gas line. And so my blood vessels are like garden hoses. They don't restrict. And so when you're running specifically, your heart rate goes higher. And when your heart rate goes higher, your blood pressure is supposed to match it. My blood pressure tanks the more my heart rate goes. And so there's a level of disconnect there. So this was actually happening to me on my runs and I didn't know what was going on. And the more that I ran and tried to ignore it, the more I felt like I was probably gonna die on my run. But I actually am not a hypochondriac, (laughs) but when you can't breathe and your heart is going crazy, I don't care who you are, you're gonna get scared. But every day I would get up and do it again. And uh, my partner would come with me and 
run next to me or skate next to me and it would make me feel a little bit better that if anything did happen someone was there but still there was no idea what was going on and it took three years to get to a point of a diagnosis i was actually diagnosed incorrectly first and then finally got the right diagnosis several months later thank god and a lot of this was from my own digging. I have a biology background, I have a science background. My entire career is built on my own health ailments, injuries, stuff I've dealt with physically since I'm three years old. And so my nutrition background, my biomechanics background is all because it started with me. And so I was able to dig and give doctors a lot of answers that they generally wouldn't get from somebody that doesn't know those things or doesn't know where to dig for those things or maybe doesn't have the body awareness that someone else has or someone having more of a body awareness it does help and so that's also why I dig so much for my clients because it takes investment to figure out what's going on with someone's body it's not oh this doesn't fit in a box so that's it you're fine that's not gonna happen so it was happening on all of my runs would happen on the subway it would happen just walking it would happen while I was working on a client and I would feel like I couldn't talk, I would feel like I was having a stroke. Like what I know to be of a stroke, that's what I felt like was happening pretty much every day. It was exasperated on in dancing, I danced salsa, a lot of you know that, maybe you don't know that, but I danced salsa, I've been a dancer my whole life, and it was really, I would feel really sick when I was dancing salsa and couldn't figure out why. And then running, dancing is like, you know, your, your heart rate goes up and down, up and down, but when you're running, it's pretty, your heart rate goes up, but it's supposed to stay there. So it didn't exasperate itself like it did dancing. Dancing was like push hard and then you calm down, push hard and then you calm down. So it was that fluctuation was just making me very, really sick to my stomach and uh, didn't know what was going on. And so finally I was on a training run in, in, in Florida for, I was gonna do the Fort Lauderdale half and I was on a training run and I literally thought I was having a heart attack. And I went to the ER and they thought I had a pulmonary embolism. Luckily that checked out. Then they found out that I had costochondritis, which is also common in female athletes. It's the tissue that comes from your sternum across to the left, across your heart and lungs, and so the tissue itself gets very inflamed, and they thought that that's what it was, but I did have this issue underneath it, and they just didn't know that yet. So they're like, oh, you'll be fine in three weeks, and that didn't happen. And so I, during this time, right before this, this, this actual, that was the point of no return at that point. Leading up to that, I was running about five to seven miles every day. And I know I talk about not running every day, but this is uh, 10, 11 years ago, <laughs> 12 years ago. I was running every day, five or seven miles every day. I was actually, during this time, I was doing the test groups for Beachbody. So I was training all those, about 80 people to 200 people. Then I did all my own clients, and then I had my own kettlebell workouts, and I did several hours of salsa, and I ran every day. I did that every day. So that's normal for me and my livelihood and what I do for a living. That's normal. And I went from doing that to not being able to walk stairs, literally in a day's time, literally. So to talk about having to deal with that mentally, I've never actually talked about that. So this is as candid as I can be, I think, at this moment. I've never talked about this publicly. And I'm doing it because I want people to understand what this race means to me personally and why also the whole idea of the race is based on a hope for a better tomorrow. The 2020 has been challenging and we want you all to take this 
and what you've learned in this challenging time in the positive side of it to 2021. And that's what the whole medal represents for this race. That's what we represent as a company. That's what we do as a company. It's what we give people as a company. And so I wanted to give you the personal side to why that is. I'm not somebody who blows smoke up anybody's ass. I speak from a very personal, very real place. And I do tell everything to P. I speak very bluntly. But this is a very, very sensitive subject personally. And so again, I've dribbled here and there on some of my podcasts, but I've never spoke about it directly and I'm doing my best doing so today. <laughs> so back to that moment where it just hit me and they said, you know, that's it, you can't run at all. We don't know what's going on. Your heart rate can't handle it. And so I finally had a stress test and as an avid athlete and runner, I failed my stress test. I couldn't get past three to four minutes on the stress test and they had to physically pick me up off the belt and put me on the uh, hospital bed. And when you do a stress test, they make your heart, they put you on the treadmill and you're hooked up to all these things. But then as soon as you get to the point where either you finish the stress test or you get to a point where you can't finish the stress test, at either point, they take a, a sonogram of your heart. So they want to see how your heart is looking physically under stress, which is why we did an entire segment on this in the Marathon Training Summit with Dr. Rachel Bond about the heart, about the mystery of the heart, and about why runners should actually go and get a stress test when they're starting to run long distances. Because you will not understand your heart, you won't feel your heart the way you think you need to. It's an extremely mysterious muscle and it kills more people than all cancers combined, specifically women, uh, heart attacks. So stress tests are extremely telling and so I failed mine and I, they, when you do that you have to lay on your left side as they take the picture of your heart and your lung and your, your heart on, is on your left side. So your heart is racing out of its mind because you were just trying to run on an incline and then now they want you to lay on your heart and your lungs as they're trying to like open up and expand and it's the most uncomfortable feeling when you have duress when there's actual stress like seriously stress so at that point they realized i needed an angiogram and after that that was that's a camera that goes into your groin while you're awake but you're numb and they go all the way up into your heart and they follow the whole path with a camera to see the actual pathway and the artery and they go up into your heart and I watch the whole thing you can see the whole thing on a TV you can watch the camera go through you and follow it up and my heart looked pretty good to me and they said you know your heart is strong it's, it's beautiful and strong and healthy but there's a flow issue and that's what we need to figure out normally when someone has a flow issue in an angiogram the angiogram you go in pretty much pretty much guaranteeing you're gonna need a stint which means like the valves from your heart the valves of your heart are probably either clogged or something is blocking it and so they'll put a stint in that opens up the valve so you can get the blood flow through your heart so i went in there thinking that that's what i was going to have to go through and when i'm watching it and then i hear the doctor or the cardiologist go over to my dad and my sister say her heart is beautiful but we have a flow issue and we don't understand why because nothing is blocked it was as it was de defeating because i'm thinking finally i'm going to get some help i'm going to be able to breathe and not have any issues and i can run again and all this stuff and they didn't have any answers for me zero answers and this is serious invasive stuff going on and honestly most people that get angiograms are either extremely obese or elderly and i'm neither at 34 years old so when this was happening 
And so it was uh, extremely de de defeating. And then I went on and I continued to deal with it. I had to sleep standing up, I couldn't lay down, couldn't breathe if I laid down. I couldn't walk the steps, couldn't drive, couldn't go anywhere. I was pretty much home house ridden for 11 months. And every two weeks I went to my electrophysiologist because that's where they put me after that angiogram. They realized it was an electrical issue and so I needed an electrophysiologist who deals with the electricity of the heart because it actually wasn't a heart muscle issue, it was a pressure issue which is dictated by the electricity. So I was in the electrophysiologist's office every two weeks taking my, getting my blood pressure taken and then changing out meds. And so now I was on like serious cardiac meds that my uncles that were in 70 and 80 years old had on the same dosage as me. I was on beta blockers, a steroid, a salt pill. I was on the one medication in the world that actually raises your blood pressure. I was maxed out on it. I had other doctors that were trying to give me other meds that contradicted my cardiac meds and made me almost catatonic for a few days from the contradiction of meds. And this is a person I've never in my, I had never in my life taken meds outside of prescription Zantac for my, for my stomach when I was 11 years old, 12 years old, 13. And then because I was, I started learning nutrition back then, I realized what I needed to do to not use those medications early, <laughs> 11, 12 years old, really realizing by 13 how I could work this so I didn't need to take medication. So when I say I've been doing this my whole life, I actually mean it, I'm literally not lying. And so I was now on these major meds that I had never been on before and felt like a hundred years old. And I had to fight to get the help that I got because, oh, you're, you're young and you're healthy and you work out and you're a nutrition specialist and you know how to eat and everything's fine with you. But I couldn't walk without feeling like I was gonna fall over. I couldn't go to the grocery store without completely getting what I could describe as vertigo, but it wasn't vertigo. Uh, and it was because I had no pressure to my brain. I had no pressure blood flow to my limbs. And so I would lose feeling in my legs, literally, and my arms. And you feel all this pressure and chest pressure because your heart senses that and your heart starts going crazy thinking, oh, you need more blood, Jess? Let me pump harder. And so the heart muscle would pump harder because it's a strong muscle, but there was no blood to go through it. So it's just like, I hate this, this is a, maybe it's a bad analogy. I'm not great at them, but if you're chewing gum, your body thinks you're about to get food. And so your whole digestive system starts to work. And so what happens is your acid starts to, starts to get going in your stomach to get ready to break down food, but you actually never eat. So then you get bloated. You're full of air in your intestines. That's pretty much the same thing that happens when your heart is pumping out of control, but no blood is coming through. But chest presser, pressure is a lot different than intestinal gas pressure <laughs> and it feels totally different and you actually feel like you can't breathe because you literally can't because your pulmonary system and your cardiovascular system have to dance very rhythmically and mine doesn't because I don't have a pressure system that actually works. So all my blood kind of pulls in my calves and it doesn't get back up to my heart. So then the lack of blood flow to my brain makes me feel I could have everything I want to say in my head, but I couldn't actually get it out of my mouth because there was like a, a little a system trip up where I didn't have that connection to talk. And so that to me feels like I'm having a stroke. What do, what do I know? You know, no one knew what was wrong with me still. So this was a daily, thing for me so yeah there was no running going on there was no activity going on I couldn't walk the steps I sat at that point I just stopped going to the grocery store I stopped doing anything and that's not me that's not who I am 
I'm a person who doesn't succumb to stuff. And I started researching things. What could I actually do for myself to help my blood pressure go up without these medications? And the only thing that I actually found that literally is proven scientifically to work is coffee. <laughs> coffee raises your blood pressure, which is why all the people that have high blood pressure are told not to drink it. Well, I need to drink it. And so I started drinking coffee at 34, 35 years old when I had never had coffee before like that. Now it's literally a part of my life because it absolutely makes me feel better. And so, this is another insight to why when you're hearing me talk, my, my approach to things, you may have a little bit more insight to that now. Like I come from a place of not fitting in a box and because you don't fit in a box, then you're just written off from a doctor's point of view. If you don't fit in this box for this ailment, then you must not have anything wrong with you and that couldn't be more hogwash. Everything I have ailments wise literally not only contradicts books, it contradicts itself within my body. So I have to constantly feel like I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul within my own body to literally live as 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 a normal life as I for Jessica like my personal abilities my my capabilities what I like to do what I need to do what I'm used to doing I have to constantly manage that in that way because what works for my intestinal stuff doesn't work for my heart stuff and what works for my physical stuff doesn't work for my heart stuff and so everything I've got going on contradicts one another and so it's a constant management and so I literally live in this pocket 24 7 and so here I am and I have no control over it for the first time I couldn't do anything literally nothing I did was helping and so everything you research doesn't give you anything back because it's not common to have severe low blood pressure and so there was no information for me and so I just I was literally stuck and at the time that it was going on, even though I would, I was defeated and I was getting very depressed, I always still had my baseline of we don't do this. We don't succumb to this type of crap. We're not doing this. We didn't succumb to an ulcer at 11. We didn't succumb to not being able to eat anything in your in your late teens and your 20s because your stomach was your intestinal dysfunction was out of control. We didn't succumb to getting hit by a truck at all. You actually became a better person and a better expert for it we're not doing this that was always on my baseline and so I little by little was really trying to just get myself in clearance to I literally was stuck in Florida I could not get back to New York and I my goal was get back to New York I needed to get back home and so finally I got the day that they would change my meds every two weeks and finally I said the day you don't change my meds I'm going back to New York and he didn't change my meds one day and I literally went home that day and I bought my one, I bought my one-way ticket and got my butt right back to New York. I went to Columbia University. I went to a bunch of different med uh, cardiologists up here. They figured out it wasn't what they thought it was in Florida, and it was this thing called POTS, and told me I did not have any clearance to run and to get off all of my meds immediately, that I was completely over-medicated and that I was having adverse effects to the medication and it didn't work for my body. So that was the beginning of that and so my last time taking meds was christmas day of 2013. that was the last day i took cardiac meds and it was abrupt i don't think it was done well with coming off of them but i was done and it then you have to fall out you know to get your body back to not having those kinds of meds in you and little by little i had to literally retrain myself to just go to work because i couldn't work for nearly a year a year i didn't work for and so i literally had a year of hell literally and I had to work myself back into just being able to sustain walking, to sustain getting on a subway. Just because also this is very neurological, it, um, it's very part of your nervous system. And so 
if you get freaked out at all or you get tense, it responds to it and it could trigger it. So being nervous of you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how you're going to feel, that's real. And battling that is exhausting. Battling, am I going to pass out? Can I walk on here? And what happens if something happens? Is something going to be around? What can I do? If I... That's exhausting to do that. And so I really had to do that. And because I refused to live a life in isolation, I refused to live a life in, and, and I'm ne I will never be debilitated. That's not going to happen. If I got hit by a truck with a broken leg and a broken hip and I was with a sling in the gym on Monday after a Saturday truck hit, hit me, I'm not going down for this either. That's not going to happen. And that was the main, that was it. That was my main thing. Get back to my life, get back to what I do well, get back to my job, get back to helping people and I will figure it out every day. That's what I did. No one told me, Jessica, you're going to be fine. No one told me, Jessica, we can figure out this path to get you back to work. No one said, if you do it this way, this may not bother you this much. No one said any of that. I did. I figured it out on my own. And so when I'm talking about there's no such thing as being completely out and there's nothing you can do to fix it, I actually mean it. I have a real problem. I have an electrical problem with my heart. There is no curing it, but I give my body what it needs and I can do things that I wasn't able to do eight years ago, six years ago, five years ago. I'm able to do things. Now I do believe I'm going to be able to run a marathon one day. That's me. But I need to nurture my body also and give it what it needs so that I could even do that. But the belief system is there is the point. And when we talk about limiting beliefs in all of our master classes and our webinars on our lives on this podcast, we're speaking from a very specific place. I'm speaking from a very personal place. Like I have never succumbed to bullshit. I have never succumbed to a health ailment. I have never succumbed to adversity in life ever. Never, not ever. No. Do I get angry about it and curse somebody out? Sure. But I always move forward. I'm always moving through it. I'm always figuring it out. Now it's frustrating because I don't want this crap. Someone who's really injured, someone who's got real health problems, they're not going to talk about it because don't nobody want it. Nobody wants this, especially if you're a person like me who's been dan I've been dancing since before I could walk. I've been dancing since I'm three years old, literally. I had opportunities at 12 and 13. My teachers were Michael Jackson dancers. Like I, I really, <laughs> I've been dancing for real forever. So when I literally couldn't dance anymore, you might as well tell me I couldn't breathe. That's how it feels like. That's what it feels like. And next to dancing was running because I found a new love for running after getting hit by a truck, after being told I'd never do anything like that again. I started running after I got hit by a truck, after. So now these two things that literally gave me new life and a lease on life, I can't do anymore? Oh, you wanna talk about depression? You wanna talk about feeling like there's literal no hope, there's no light at any end of the tunnel, nobody understands what you're going through? And then you have to watch people who have zero health problems take advantage of their lives take advantage of their actual health, take advantage of their genes and their genetics that they were blessed with. You have to sit back and watch that. So when a runner wants to pull off a social media because they can't stand watching people out there high-fiving each other, running races, posting this, posting that because they're injured and they can't do it, no one gets it more than me because I've had to do it for eight years. And plus that, <laughs> plus that. When, like I used to, like there, I come from a real personal place with everything I talk about, everything I do. I have actually dealt with it or am currently dealing with it. There's no better expert, in my opinion, than an expert who's actually had to do what they, what they are an expert in, who's had to deal with it on a personal level, on a personal level with what they're an expert in. If a gastroenterologist, a stomach doctor, if a gastroenterologist 
has never had a stomach issue, we can't have a conversation. Because there is nothing you're gonna tell me about anything to do with a stomach issue when you've never had to deal with one in your life. Ever. What are you telling me? You don't even know what that feels like. Get out of my face. I feel that way. The same thing I talk about with doctors and orthopedists and, and any kind of doctor. I feel that way about anybody. If you have not had to actually deal with what you actually are doing for a living, why don't talk to me. Me? I don't want to talk to you. That's how I am. Because I've had to deal with it. And then I've, I've been an expert in it. And I became an expert in it in, in the midst of it. Or I was one and then got hurt. Whatever. The, I've always been in this health industry since I could remember. That's just what it's been. So when your livelihood literally is taken away from you, you have no more energy, the fatigue is out of control. You could be fatigued for literally no reason. What I have, most people are in wheelchairs. Most people can't stand for more than five minutes. Women get married with chairs at the altar because they are afraid they're gonna pass out while they're getting married. That's real. They have ports in their uh, ports of sodium going into them 24 seven because we don't hold sodium. So for a runner, the best way I can kind of describe what it physically feels like is picture when you're, you run a marathon that you don't feel for, which most of you kind of don't, just saying. Uh, you didn't rest, you didn't train for it at all. Picture that marathon, if you've ever had like your worst marathon, you're not fueled, you didn't race well, you didn't plan for it, you didn't run well for it, and then you run an actual marathon. What you feel like at the end of that marathon is my baseline. I feel like that every day, every day. So a lot of what I eat would be on a marathon, on a marathoner's eating schedule on the actual race. Pickles, coconut water, salted stuff, salted nuts, uh, Tostitos, because when, you, when your blood pressure drops, you feel sick to your stomach, but you have to get your blood pressure up and you don't want something that's really hard to digest like nuts, although that's healthier. It's easier to eat a Tostito so you can actually get, get your salt up a little bit so you can actually eat real food. And so there's a whole system to that kind of thing. And so that's real. My cardiologist is like, Jessica, go eat Chinese food, go eat a salt bagel. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't like that food. Like, I don't like that food. I actually like healthy food. <laughs> and um, she's like, but you can eat anything that everybody else can't. And I said, that doesn't matter to me. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. But that's how off it is from what the norm is. So when I come from a place of like, Everything is, there's no box. No one's gonna fit in a box. Everything I have contradicts basic science or basic problems that everybody else hears about or knows about. You have to actually dig when it's not in a box. And if you yourself don't know how to dig and you don't have a doctor who's willing to dig, you're up Schitt's Creek without a paddle. And that's the problem half the time. And so where we come from with Run Pain Free, everything is educational. Everything is to give you knowledge because the more knowledgeable you are about your body, the more you can go in educated to a doctor or to a specialist or to anybody to get better help. The reason I was able to get the help I got was because I came in and ran off stats. I ran off labs. I ran off my blood pressures. I went into the first, the cardiologist appointment here in New York City when I got back from Florida with two of my aunts. Um, and, and one is Puerto Rican and one is Irish, both from Puerto Rico and Ireland. And they were sitting with me and as I'm talking to the doctor and I'm running off my labs and I'm running off days and times throughout the day of my heart rate and my blood pressures off my head, they're literally yip-yapping right next to me saying, do you believe how smart she is? I didn't know how smart she was. How she know all this? Why would you, would you keep this in a log? And I'm like, guys, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> and they were like, but how did you know this? And they, the doctor said to him, said to them, 
the fact that she knows this, I'm gonna diagnose her so much quicker today. And it only took him 20 minutes to figure out what I had based on the information I gave him. And they were like, wow, I'm keeping logs. And like they said, they were gonna start to keep logs of their things now because it helped them get to, the, get to figure out how much them keeping track of their stuff would help them in their own doctor's appointments. And so it, we really believe giving that level of information, giving that education, because there's no better patient or customer than an educated one, an educated one. And so you have some kind of a working knowledge with things. So you just can't be gaffed off. You just can't be tossed off. And I'm not the one that's going to be gaffed off and tossed off. I will argue in five seconds with the doctor with no problem, zero problems, especially when it's my health. Okay. So, and so when I'm talking about things, it's coming from this type of a place. I had to dig because no one dug for me. And that's why I dig for our clients because no one dug for me. And if I could take any time off of the agony of being down, being out, being injured, being in pain, feeling low, feeling hopeless, feeling broken, feeling like you can't be on social media, feeling like you can't be happy for anybody because you're so sad about yourself. If I can take any of that time away from somebody, I'm gonna do it. And that's how we work here at Run Pain Free. Everything we give is about that. <clears throat> so see, it's emotional for me. This is a big deal, I'm talking about this. But anyways, so this is why I am doing this race and it's a big deal for me. I've wanted to run again, but in 2016, I did a follow-up stress test and I was able to finish the stress test physically on the machine, on the treadmill. But when they made me lay down again, my heart my lung was covering my heart every time I breathed and they really couldn't get a good picture of the sonogram. And so um, every time I took a breath, my lung covered my heart. So that's a problem and I couldn't breathe again. And it's not like you're gasping for air type of a breathing, it's breathlessness. It's totally different. It's like an internal suffocation. You're not literally a physically like can't breathe. You physically inside, you're breathless. Like you literally don't have air. And it's because my pulmonary system and my, my blood pressure is not pumping anything through me. And it's my blood flow is sitting in pockets and it's not getting anywhere and I don't have a gas line. So when your blood pressure, it's there's an automatic, autonomic nervous system that basically it's it just it sense it's a sensory system yeah it's electricity and when your body moves this sensory system spazzes and well, I mean well I call it spazzing but it spazzes and it senses where your body and limbs are and it responds accordingly meaning if you stand up your blood vessels have to restrict to give you a better pressure because now you're standing and there's a greater distance between your feet and your head and the blood pressure has to get the blood flow to everywhere where when you're sitting down it's less work for your heart it's less work for the blood pressure to have to pump my blood vessels don't restrict they're like garden hoses so if i stand all the way up my blood completely drops to my feet if I lay down and put my feet up, my blood rushes my chest. I actually can't do the post lay down on the floor with your feet up on the wall. I actually can't do that. The blood rushes my chest that it almost, it feels like it's suffocating me. I can't lay flat. I can't lay inverted. The dentist has to actually stand up to do my teeth cleaning because he puts me back too far. We're fighting like it's that serious. So there's, it's just like a, literally like a seesaw. That's a good way to describe it. So your blood vessels are supposed to restrict and mine don't because that, that electrical system does not give that signal. And so your heart will flutter because it's like, what's going on? And it'll flutter and that can freak people out. And a lot of women get heart flutters during their menstrual cycle. So you could overlook that as a woman. And 
POTS is obviously, it's actually more prone in women than men, but men have it. Definitely men do have it. But, so like, but it's overlooked a lot in women because of the fluttering and there's a whole list of things that this gets overlooked for, which is why it takes so long to figure it out. I got hit by the truck and then several years later, somebody sneezed on my neck in a subway and it was a dude and I cursed him out on the subway. I woke up the next day with the worst flu I've ever had in my life and I actually wound up getting bronchitis on top of it. I was in the bed with it for about five weeks. I came out of the flu with this and the majority of people that have POTS come out of it from surgery or from a really bad flu or a bronchitis. Something triggers it, which means it was kind of there already and something, something big triggered it. And it could go back as far as the accident because I got hit by a truck and it hit me in my back and my back of my hip and threw me over the over the hood of the car and all that good stuff and you know I was, I was 30 I was 29 when I got hit I was three months from being 30 when I got hit by the truck so you know I was young so your body feels resilient although it's kind of not when you're pushing in your 30s you're starting to feel stuff <laughs> and um, it could have started then but I didn't feel it until I was 31 that's when this started to happen 32 32 it started to happen so 32 33 34 by the time I was pushing 35 I was starting to get diagnosed so it took them about three years to get me diagnosed and it could be triggered from all that because of trauma because it's a nervous system situation it's an electrical situation and it could have the trauma the physical impact could have tripped up my system for sure but it didn't come to a head until I was doing consistent running. Remember now, I didn't start running until after my accident. I would run short distances. I would run to warm up. I would run post-workout, but I didn't run long distance until after my, after my accident. So that would make sense as to how it revealed itself because I'm doing something cardiovascularly that I absolutely cannot do. And so I was not allowed to run at all. In 2016, when I had that follow-up stress test and I finished it and my heart was getting covered by my lung every time I tried to breathe, they did give me clearance to run one mile. But of course, like all runners, I didn't listen and I ran 2.33 miles and I paid for it. I had physical heart muscle pain for seven hours for the rest of the night. And then for the rest of the week, I had extreme physical fatigue. Like my body felt like I had ran for hours and hours and hours and like never rested. That's what it physically felt like. And of course, so I don't need to run again. After feeling that, I'm good. We're not running again. I'm done with this. This is a done deal at this point. And so I haven't run again since then. That was 2016. So I've ran 2.33 miles once in the past eight years. And this will be the first time I've run again since then. And I'm it's a big deal. It's a big deal. This is we've wanted to put on a race for over a year and this is the greatest time I feel we we should do it. And so we're going to put it on and we're excited about it. It's it's the whole concept of what we what we stand on here and that is hope for a better day, hope for a brighter future. There is always light at the end of the tunnel no matter how shitty the situation feels like or how bad the injury is. You watch some football games, you see some people come back from some real injuries and play better than ever. That is real. It's called the will within you. As long as you have the will in you, you can come through it. There's no cure for what I have with this heart stuff. There's no cure for POTS. There is a way for me to, to nurture what my body needs. And as long as I'm nurturing what my body needs, I am able to do things that I wasn't able to do five, six, seven years ago. I, I just am. Now, do I also manage it so I don't push it too far to not feel sick? Of course, of course.
but I believe that I'm gonna be able to run distance again. I've been saying that. The handful of clients that know what I have, they're like, just please don't run, we're good. You don't need to run. <laughs> and I appreciate that, but my dancing and running are my outs. And I've gone through, like everybody, I go through a lot of stuff, personal stuff, and when you have no physical out, that sits in you. And it's a lot to manage that and not flip out because you can't get it out of you. And I've, I've gone through some serious stuff in the past few years, very serious stuff personally. And so having no out for that has been very, very tumultuous to deal with or handle. And then you don't do that very well. So again, when I'm talking to a runner who feels like all hope is gone and they're injured and they're down and out, when I say, that's not the case we can get through this all i need is your will to get better as long as you 100 percent have a true will to be better i'm gonna be able to fix you i have fixed a hundred percent of people that have come through our doors that have finished our program every single person i have fixed every single person has become stronger after injury the only people i don't fix are people who don't want to be fixed period. Whether they don't want to do it, they don't do the work, or they sabotage and they do things they shouldn't be doing, that's the only reason why. As long as you literally have a whole heart purpose and will to be better and feel better, you will. You have every ability to actually do that. That's what I stand on. That's what I literally live on. That is the only reason why I'm even on this podcast talking to you. There is no way that I'd be sitting here talking to you had I not, if I didn't have this belief system in myself, even when I don't want to have this belief system, it's there. Even when I don't want to have it, it's still there. That is the only way I've gotten through the life I've led, I've led for 42 years. I've been through some stuff. And no matter what has gone on, and I've had zero support. I had zero support going through a lot of stuff. Physical stuff, health stuff. And I, had, I leaned on myself and my own belief system that I don't lay down to this type of crap. I don't want this type of life. I don't want nothing to do with it. If someone else could take, I'll pay somebody to take these health problems, these injuries. I will pay you to take them, honestly. That's why I can, you can tell when someone's been through an injury or actually really injured or has a real health problem. They're not talking about it. They're quiet because they don't want it. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to be bothered with it. They don't want anything to do with it. They want it to be like a thing that doesn't exist. You could call it denial, whatever you want, but I promise you that person's very well aware of what they got, whether they talk to you about it or not is irrelevant. I'm not in denial. I know exactly what's wrong with me. I don't want to talk about it. It's not, it's not nothing to talk about. What am I talking about? I want to move through it. I want to figure it out and move through it. And that's how I've been able to move through these really hard situations that have taken my livelihood away. And as long as I nurture myself to the best of my ability, I'm able to do a glimmer of what I was able to do pre-POTS, pre-truck accident. And what really pissed me off with this whole POTS thing was that I got hit by a truck and I came out of it stronger after my injury. I was a better expert from it. I learned so much from it. I've helped thousands of people out of pain because of it. Here comes this stuff that I have, I cannot, I said, of course me, I have the one problem I can't fix is the heart. That's the organ you're not fixing. So, and, the, and then the electrical system follows suit. What are you doing with that? You can't go in there and hotwire your, 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 your electrical system. It doesn't work that way. This doesn't work that way. And of course me, I can fix anything. These are the two things I couldn't fix. You know, there's other organs in the body that you can fix through diet and health and exercise. These are not that. These are not that. The heart could give two shits how healthy you are or how, or how not healthy you are. If the heart doesn't want to work, not going to work. 
That's why a very fit person can drop on a marathon and someone who's considered obese can run eight marathons a year with no problem. That's why. Because the true reason why you actually run is your heart and your lungs. And if those two guys, if they're not dancing rhythmically, they're not going anywhere. Anywhere. That's real. So I encourage people to get their hearts looked at and their stress tests looked at. Like that's where you should be going if you're doing new exercise. You shouldn't be going to a GP, general practitioner. You should be going to a cardiologist and get a stress test. So also I was having, you know, when I go into the ER from having some kind of uh, something going on with POTS and I go to the ER, they have to do a cardiac workup on me. And so one of the biggest, one of the biggest symptoms I'll have is I'm breathless and literally a nurse looked me dead in my face and said, well, obviously you can breathe. You're talking, right? And had I felt any better, I probably would have choked the person out. If I would want, I would have grabbed them by the trachea. That's what I wanted to do. And I had to report him to the doctor because that's unacceptable and that should have never been said to me. But someone who has no idea of what POTS is would say some dumb stuff like that. And so again, having your own knowledge base is everything to your life and your future and your ability to be active and be healthy for as long as you possibly can. So we, everything here, our podcasts, our webinars, our, our live events, everything is all educational, all knowledge based, all here, here, here's information. Right now we have an entire course called the Run Pain Free Bootcamp, runpainfreebootcamp.com. It's an entire informational, informational bootcamp on what's hurting you that you see online, why it's hurting you, why you do it, what you should do instead and how to apply it. All information, not an actual bootcamp of sweating your ass off. This is actual information for you to literally understand what you're seeing online and what it literally means. It's an informational bootcamp, bing, bang, boom. We give that out. It's free, by the way. Go look at it. Runpainfreebootcamp.com. You, it's we give this stuff out so that we create educated runners. An educated runner is not a runner who's going to be down and out. An educated runner is a runner who can take that they're an athlete and they're going to feel things here and there, and they know when to stop. They know when to look at it. They know when to reach out to Run Pain Free Coach Jess to figure it out, and they know how to get back on track without it becoming a problem. That's an educated runner. And so the reason why that's our baseline is because I what I do every day for myself. I'm not talking out of my, you know what, I'm literally practicing what I preach, literally. That's what I do. So I dig for people because no one dug for me. I want to take time off of the agony other people are in because no one took it off of me. And I know what it is to go through, but I also know nobody, not, not nobody, but a lot of people don't have the level of will I had to get through some of these things. And that's only from my experience in, in dealing with clients and do, doing this for my entire life. I've literally been doing this my entire life, literally. I've been studying body movement, injuries, health, nutrition, science my entire life on a personal level. And the books didn't match what I was going through at all. So I had to make that work because I needed to live better. To be able to go out and not have a problem with my stomach because of my intestinal dysfunction and my ulcer, I had to figure out, you know, to, just to go out to eat was a big deal. I wouldn't go, you know, or I can't, can't go dancing because I have to watch where, how, how, my, how I feel today. Did I, manage, did I manage my entire life today well so I could actually be a normal person and go out dancing and go salsa? No, now then the frustration sets in because I have nobody to blame but myself, can't point fingers to nobody, it's all on me. And so I'm very honest with myself about that also. And so that's why I talk about honesty a lot and how you're not gonna get very far if you're not gonna be honest with yourself. If you keep pointing fingers to everybody around you and everything around you, you're losing the mark. The mark and the buck stops with you. It is with you. 
you have to be honest with yourself and what you're doing in order to get through anything or sit there and live in it, like literally make a decision, but deal with it either way. You're either going to move through it and deal with the pain to get through it, or you're going to sit there and deal with the fact that you're sitting there not doing anything, but it's with you. You have the ability to fix things. You have the ability to get better no matter what the situation is. I'm sitting here telling you, I've been broken literally by a truck, literally broken. I came out stronger and became a long distance runner after it. I have an electrical heart issue that I do not have clearance to run. So all of you out there, they're like, oh, Jessica doesn't run. Jessica runs. She has a clearance to run right now. That's the point. And I'm using this entire idea of this race. I want to take on with it the level of hope that we come with as a company and jump into it because I want to run more in 2021. I want to do more for my own health and me getting back out there and running. I don't know what levels I'll be able to run at, but I know I have the will to do so. I have the will to get out there and try. I have the will to do that and I know what I need to do to do that, period. And since I am always out here wanting you all to do better and giving you information and giving you the tools you need, whether you want to listen to them or not, I'm giving you the tools you need to actually do these things. I want you in turn to run with me into 2021. That's what I want. And that's why I said, you know what? I guess I need to tell my story a little bit more in depth and as much as I possibly can, because this is a very uncomfortable podcast for me, but I'm very honest about that and I'm doing my very best on it. And I wanted to share this with you to let you understand that I know what it means to be out and done. I've been not able to run for eight years from actual cardiologists saying you literally cannot run. Not for no foot issue, not for no back issue, not even for my broken hip, none of that. This is from an electrical trip up system that does not know how to listen when I, when I need my heart and my blood pressure to work together, it doesn't know how to do it. When I'm outside and it's 100 degrees out, I actually cannot bring my temperature down. No amount of water, no cooling rags helps me. My body doesn't know how to internally cool down. I have to go sit in an ice box, literally, the apartment is an ice box, so I can cool down. And I have a whole thing I have to do to cool down my body because I can't cool it down. The external has to cool down. I, if I'm outside and it's too cold, I get chest pains and upper back pains because my heart is working really hard to pump blood, but the pressure isn't there and the blood is stuck in my calves. All of that is a management system. So when you have these systems and you wanna go for a run, good luck, good luck. The fear alone is enough to say I'm fine, I don't have to run. But the love of running never leaves. The want for running never leaves. The missing of dancing never leaves. Those are things you have to deal with when you don't want to. And so if because I've come through those things and I deal with those things and I have my ups and downs, nobody honestly that I have dealt with, nobody that I've come across in my lifetime has dealt with that more than me. That's my experience. So I use that and I look at it and say, I've got all this knowledge and I'm this injured and I have these health issues. This combined together with all of these things together is how I'm able to help thousands of people. And I've been helping thousands of people since I'm a teenager. So this is why this is a big deal. And I wanted to share with you that there's runners broken or not down and done. You're not down and done. If you're broken right now and are like not going to do the race because you're broken, do the race because you now have a lifeline to run pain free and me so that we can get you through it. So you can get back out there. If you only do a 5K, which is less than five miles, everybody, <laughs> it's 3.1 miles. If you only can do a 5K, then get out there and work up to it. You can do it. You have a lifeline to us. We have tons of information out there to get you through it on your own so you are educated for yourself to run again. There's nothing better for the human body than running. 
and there's nothing more important for you than having your own self self of sense sense of self excuse me sense of self-confidence and accomplishment there's no greater thing to do for yourself than that and so that's what I want you to take with this run into 2021. This, yes, has been a crap year, but you've learned a lot about yourself. You've ran along, you've done all these things. And if you've gotten hurt because you haven't followed the proper, proper requirements or the proper training or the proper technique or listened to the wrong person, which happens all the time out here, then this is even more of a reason to join our run into run 20, run 2021, because this is, you're going to have a lifeline to us. You can tag us. You can reach out to us along the way, ask questions. We have tons of information and no one knows more about getting through that than me, honestly. And again, I'm speaking with my own experience with people that I've worked with, the thousands and hundreds of people that I've worked with and helped and in my, in my field even. I, there's just nothing like that and I totally understand that. I know what it's like. People call me the athlete's Oprah because people come to me and cry in front of me who've never cried before because they don't think anybody gets it, but I do. And the minute that they hear that I do and I can talk right back to them the same way that what they're feeling, waterworks because there's a relief system of someone who actually gets it. I know, I never got that. And I wanna give that to people. And so that's what this whole run is about. It's about, there is a brighter day out there. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Even our, our, our website right now, runpainfreeacademy.com, our website literally has somebody running through a tunnel where there is lights and there's lights at the end of it because that's literally what we do. There is always a better way to, there's a better day ahead if you have the will to get better, that's all we need. And if you have the will to run again, that's all you need. You may, it may be different, it may be different, but you will be able to do it with good health and good stability and good support. And that's what the Run Pain Free company is about, the program is about, our runners are about, and that is indefinitely what our run is about, this race. Run into 2021 is about taking everything that you didn't feel that you had hope about, everything that you've gone through this year, all the challenges, taking it and running through it. And I want you to run with me because I need your support to run this. It's only 5K, but it's a big deal for me because I have not ran in eight years and I have a real issue and now you know why. <laughs> and so this is a big deal for me. So I hope that this gave you some insight. I hope you were able to relate a little bit to me. Maybe I gave you some motivation of sorts, but go ahead right now and go sign up for this race race.rumpainfreeacademy.com. You have a lifeline with us. We're here the whole time. I want to hear about it. I want to see the tags. I want to see the posting. And remember, you're talking to somebody who actually knows, who knows what it's like to be down and broken, who knows what it's like to be sidelined for years and years and years with no hope from anybody else. The only hope I have is this within myself. The only will I have is within myself. I'm self-motivated self-motivated always have been always will be and even when i don't have the motivation to do anything i still have it and you have to know that about yourself even when you don't have the motivation you still do have it you just have to go through it you have to know that you have to have the will once you have the will that self-motivation will show itself again that's all you need is the will you're able to get through it you're able to run again and you really can run pain-free you really can so go ahead and get your race right now. Race.runpainfreeacademy.com. Thank you for listening today, guys. You're listening to the Run Pain Free Podcast, brought to you by the Run Pain Free Academy. 
Featuring biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio. Subscribe to us as you leave a positive review on iTunes. 